Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Stanley Hubbard from the state of Indiana, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Yusuf Al Ford from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air, you can give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,700 live shows on on that website at this hour, and you will consistently find this radio show on pages 1 through 4 of that website and you'll find this show on page one of that website tonight what a blessing if you have any questions or comments with any of my co-hosts on this broadcast you can send your emails to my new email address butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can call stevie b media production at the carolina studio at 910-491-6405 now again this program is brought to you by members of the churches of christ and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host on the show this evening, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordo, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. We also pray that you will bless their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well. They may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short. Of thy will. For I pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. For we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host Brian Christian Coleman, he serves with the Morristown Church of Christ in Morristown, New Jersey. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And we will not have a question in my shouted out uh, segment of the broadcast. My co-host Robert Lee Johnson, he's in the state of Florida. I hope you all should be aware that there was a hurricane that hit uh, Florida on yesterday. So they have a power outage in his area. So he's not going to be able to participate in the program this evening. So on in the last segment of the show, my co-host Steve Cordo, he served as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you'll be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Come on and spin the line. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Brian Christian Coleman. Good evening, ladies, brothers, and sisters, members of the churches of Christ throughout this land, country, and throughout the entire world. I'd like to ask before I begin my lesson this evening that you may please bow with me at this time. Our gracious Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for life and allowing us to be on the time side of life last, uh, as we slept last night. Father, you watched over us and you protected us from all hurt, harm, seen, and unseen dangers. You blessed us and woke us up in due time to be on the time side of life once again. You blessed us with a reasonable portion of health and strength to be able to move about and make it start another day's journey. You bless us with our food, clothing, and all other necessities of life. You provide us traveling grace and arrival mercy, and you've allowed us to reach this place at this time. Lord, ask that you may please forgive us for any and all sins that we may have committed by either word, thought, or deed. Ask, Lord, that you may please block them out of the book of memory and hold them, Father, not against us, Lord, if it's your holy and divine will. And, Lord, ask that you may be with those who are dealing with the after effects of the hurricane in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina, but especially those who are members of the Church of Christ. Ask, Lord, that you may bless the local congregations. Ask and pray that you may please bless them, that they have not had major damage to their buildings, that the members are well, Father. And, Lord, ask for all relief efforts that are coming to the states, that you may grant them traveling grace to arrive there safely without any hurt, harm, or danger. And may we always keep in mind, Father, those who are dealing with these type of disasters, because they are there may be members of the Church of Christ that have been affected as well. Be with us, guys, and direct us this evening for this radio program. We ask this, Lord, in all blessings, in your Son's holy and precious name, in the name of Jesus, let us all say amen. This evening, brothers and sisters, I would like to read from my text, Romans chapter 16, 
and this is a very familiar verse for those who are students of the Bible who've been in the church for at least at least a couple of weeks. Romans chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. Now we all know Romans 16 and 16. The Bible says, "Salute one another with a holy kiss." The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. If that's in your copy of God's holy and divine word, say amen. I like to speak on the subject as the Spirit guides me with this thought in mind. Investigate before you invest. Investigate before you invest. The Bible is letting us know that in Romans here that we need to mark them. Now, it doesn't mean go and walk up to somebody and put a mark on them, but make aware of those who are not teaching God's word. Those who call themselves reverends, mark them. Those that call themselves bishops, mark them. Those who call themselves, I'm talking about those in the denominational world. I'm not talking about the bishops in the churches of Christ now. But mark those who are not teaching God's word, but their opinions and their thoughts, the Bible tells us to mark them. And in verse 18, for they that are such, meaning these types of people who tell you to come down front and bring money for a healing, those who are preaching false doctrine, he's letting us know that they that are, are, are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. All they're concerned about is how much money they can make. And, they, and it goes on to tell us, and by good words, they say some good words, y'all. I mean, Joel Osteen, he can put it out there, brother. He can get out there, T.D. Jakes, he can get there in your mind. But, again, they're preaching false doctrine. They say, again, by good words and fair speeches. They, and they get up there and let you, just make you want to shout. They, but here's the problem. They deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, who are the simple? Those who don't know God's word. Because if you don't know God's word, you will drift. You're going to go and you will attach yourself to any type of doctrine that is not found in God's word. And that's the simple. Those who don't know God's words and those who don't want to know God's words. Am I right about it? I'm about to preach here today. I feel good. Now, let me just give you some backup doctrine backup information to help you, and I'm going to get ready for my lesson. Now, if you're going to invest some money and invest your financial security, you want to buy a car. What should you do? You need to investigate before you invest in that vehicle. That means you need to check the blue book value of the vehicle, whether it's a used vehicle or the open amount of a brand new car. You need to check the gas mileage of that vehicle. You need to make sure it has all the safety requirements that you really feel you need before you drive it. And before you put your money down in that car, you need to investigate it 
before you invest. If you're going to buy a house, you just don't buy any house. And if you found your dream house or your wife has found your dream house, say amen when you can. You just don't put money down and just move on in. You have somebody come out there and check your house out. You call and get yourself a professional inspector who's going to go not just look at the outside of the house and say that everything's all right, but this inspector is going to go into the basement. He's going to go into crawl spaces. He's going to check out if there's any moisture damage, mold, or any other problem that will cause the house to have some defects. And before you put that money down, you're going to investigate before you invest. If you're going to put your money into an investor, a stockbroker, you want to go check that person out. I don't care if they're a member of the church or someone that you know is a friend who's a financial expert, you do some investigation before you give that man or that woman any money because you put they'll put your money in the wrong stock, and the next thing you know, you wind up broke. So be careful before you invest your money. And if you plan to marry somebody, come on now. Don't back up a little bit now. Hmm. If you're going to invest in dating and marrying a woman or a man, you need to go check them out. You need to make sure before you marry them, brother, that they know how to cook. Hello? That they know how to clean. That they want children. And ladies, you better check him out to make sure he works. Say amen when you can. Because you don't want to marry somebody who said he got a job. And the next thing you know, they're laying up on the couch trying to be a man. A real man, excuse me, will go out there, and he's going to work every day. And brothers, you want to make sure she works every day. Say amen if you can. So if you understand all of that about investigating before you invest, then we should have no problem identifying with some popular issues in the, in the Bible. My first point is investigate before you invest regarding that John the Baptist is the founder of the church. Say amen if you can now. You've got people out in the world. If you say, who is John the Baptist, they will say to you, person, that not only baptized Jesus, but he is the founder of the Baptist church. If you ask someone who started the Baptist church, they're going to quickly tell you, well, John the Baptist was a Baptist, and since he baptized Jesus, he himself was a Baptist. Now, that may sound good, but there's one thing wrong with it. It just isn't so. Jesus was, Jesus was never, excuse me, John was never a Baptist, and John was never called John a Baptist. We know that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. That means he was a little bit older than Jesus. But even John lets us know what we are not allowed we are not allowed to follow him. And the Bible gives us some information about John's work. The Bible teaches and let me 
uh, let you know that the Bible never called John a Baptist, but the Bible called him John the Baptist. The Bible knows. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Matthew, around chapter 3. And the Bible says around verse, uh, says in verse number 1, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Elias, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The Bible even tells us in John chapter 3, verses, <coughs> excuse me, brethren, it says in John chapter 3, 28 to 31, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. That means I'm not the anointed, but that I am sent before him, meaning he is the predecessor or he is the, he's coming before Christ. He has said the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiced greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Is my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And here's the biblical point, y'all listening now. He must increase, but I must decrease. I know I'm right. He that cometh above, is above all, and that he is of the earth, the earth, the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. The Bible also teaches us in Matthew 11 and 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of a woman, there hath no risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We know that Christ is the founder of the church. Matthew 16, 13 to 18. And when Jesus came into the coast, and the Bible teaches us, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom ye say that, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, Thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And the Bible says in verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me wrap this point up by Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. And the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And 
Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Our second point is, investigate before you invest, stating that all you need is the Holy Spirit to be saved. In the religious world, many will say unto you, I do not need any church. I can stay at home, read my Bible, be a good moral person, be an upstanding citizen in my community, because all I need is the Holy Ghost to be saved. Some will say that an angel from heaven came to me in in my sleep and whispered in my ear that I was saved and I am uh, on my way to heaven anyway. Now, all that stuff you heard me just tell you sounds good, don't it? And in denominational churches, this this will get people jumping and shouting and saying amen. And don't you be too quiet and bougie right now with me, y'all. You know that when you were out there in the denominational world, because you were out there saying some of the same things, trying to become a member of that denominational church, you were out there giving them your statements and everything, trying to get the Holy Ghost. But and they, then you turn around and said that the New Testament in the New Testament, you don't need to be saved by the Holy Ghost only, and you can do it without baptism. Let us look at the Bible and see how a person was saved, and we will see if it was because of an angel or the Holy Ghost. Now, my first, if I have people to bring to the witness stand, I like to bring the unit to the witness stand. You find this in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. I'm going to give you a time to find that as I'm going in my computer to bring that up as well. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait on me, preacher. If you're still not there, say go on without me. And the Bible teaches us about this. And the angel of the Lord, verse 26, spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of, of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandeth what thou readest? And he said, meaning the eunuch, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture that he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so open not his mouth. Basically, he's reading about Christ's suffering in the book of Isaiah, which occurred over 500 years from the past. And he goes on and says, 
In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked a very important question. Verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now the next verse says, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What the hinder me to be baptized? Now, if I can for just a minute, if you back up to verse 35, at the end of verse 35, the Bible says, and he preached unto him Jesus. Now in verse 36, he says, see here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Now, what did Jesus talk about? He talked about baptism. And that lets us know that when you talk about Christ, you got to talk about baptism. When you talk about baptism, you got to talk about Christ. Because let me, let me sound my trumpet this evening. When you talk about Jesus, baptism is in the plan. Say amen if you can. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe, this is the unit speaking, y'all, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they had come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. But the eunuch saw, no, saw him no more. But he went on his way rejoicing. Now, where did you see the Holy Spirit come into, into motion here? Only to let Philip know that someone needs to be baptized. You don't see him telling the eunuch what to do. It was the responsibility of a gospel preacher by the name of Philip. We have other examples. If you go to the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. Let's go there for a quick moment because I don't want folks sitting there saying, oh, Brother Coleman is just talking a whole bunch of nothing. He don't know what he's talking about. Well, I stopped by to tell you that the Bible is right, and it don't need a man to make it right. The Bible will stand on its own. If you've got the book of Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, you will understand that Saul, who, was at that, who later on became Paul, was, having, was threatening the slaughter of the disciples of the Lord and went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came unto Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the ground, to the earth, and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest? Thou me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, 
and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what you must do. And basically, if you go a little bit further, when he got down to Damascus, he started fasting and praying. That's not what the Lord told him to do, but he went on down fasting and praying. And the Bible says in verse number 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Now, you see here, Ananias wasn't too, too hip on wanting to go immediately to take care of them. Because Ananias said in verse 13, Lord, I've heard by many of this man, and how evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. And in verse 15, the Bible tells us, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, if the Lord met him on that road to Damascus, why didn't he tell him, tell him what he needed to do? Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon me, brothers and sisters. I'm, just feeling, I'm coming over a little cold, so a little clever came up, but just forgive me, my brothers and sisters. So here, we're being told that Jesus met Saul. But why didn't Saul, Jesus tell Saul what he needed to do? You see, these are all the examples. And there's one more example. If you go to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, you see Cornelius in his household. I'm not going to go there, but y'all know what happened. Peter was up on the, on, the, on the rooftop. But before that, Cornelius, he was, a, he was a proselyte. He was not a Gentile, a Jew. He was a Gentile. And not only was he a Gentile, he was a Roman centurion. We don't know who, who, what, what, what he did before. He may have been, been the, 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 the person that came to Jesus and asked for his servant to be healed. We don't know if he was the one that stood by the cross and said, truly, this was the Son of God. We have no idea who it was, but this man had given much alms to the people, and basically he had, he had a knowledge of what the Jews was, but he was not a Jew. He was a proselyte, meaning someone who was being taught. So basically, his prayers had come to God. But remember, the Bible teaches us that God does not hear the, work, the, the prayers of alien sinners. But in this case, he said the prayers have come up to him as a memorial. And he said, you go send some men to Joppa. You're going to go find Peter. And he's housing right now. He's, he's, he's at that house. And they went to get him, but Peter had to get, get they had to work on Peter, y'all know, because Peter was a little prejudiced when it came to Gentiles. And you know the story where the, the sheep comes out of heaven and all the four-footed four uh, four beasts of the earth are right there in front of it. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything uncommon or unclean. And Jesus shot back and said, what well, God has cleansed, call no man common. And, you know, Jesus, Peter didn't get it the first time, 
but he got it after the third time when he came down that he went with with, with the with Cornelius's men, and basically he preached the gospel under them and baptized them. Now the point I'm making here is, the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with being baptized. Now you got some people today in the religious world that they that they have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, and that he could do all signs and wonders like the apostles did in Acts chapter 2. They will say, if you need some healing, they'll tell you, come on down to the church house. And just don't come down to the church house. You got to bring some money with you, if you know what I mean. Hello. But the thing is, if you got cancer or some other disease, $100 ain't going to cure you, honey. You got to have to get some more money and getting that $1,000, $5,000 line in order to get healed. But the Bible lets us know that all spiritual gifts that the apostles received were never meant to last. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning verses 8 to 11. And we need to read this because you got some members of the church think that miraculous healing is still going on. Hello, say amen if you can. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 11. The Bible says, Charity never faileth. But whatsoever there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is come is per- which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, when, if you go to denominationism and they read verse 10 and they say, but when that which is perfect has come, they're thinking that's Jesus Christ. But if you know your Bible, it is not talking about Jesus Christ. It is talking about the Holy Bible. Because at that time, the Bible was not completely written at that time. It was not finished until after, after A.D. 97. And let me just drop this bomb while I'm flying over. Paul was not talking about his own personal life. He was not talking about him as a child growing up. He was talking about the church because the church needed these spiritual gifts in, their, in, in the early times of the church to show people that they were they, they were had the, a power to heal other people. They needed these spiritual gifts to help establish the natural understanding that the church of Christ was right. And But the thing is, these spiritual gifts were not meant to last forever until the word of God was completely written. Say amen if you can. My third part, I'm almost done, brothers and sisters. Investigate before you invest regarding the authorization of women to preach. Now, someone will say, Brother Comey, you lost your mind. But I say again, investigate before you invest regarding the authorization for a woman to preach. You know what? I got to be honest. Women have come a long way in society. They have. Hello. I know women, come on, say amen when you can. Come on, sisters. You got women who have become council members, police chiefs, fire chiefs, mayors, doctors, lawyers. We even have a woman 
who is vice president of the United States. Now, women today are smart. Not only they are intelligent, they're even more smarter than men. Say amen if you can. You remember your mother, she used to tell you to do certain things and don't do certain things as you get older, and you went on and did those things. Show that your mama knew what she was talking about. And if and also, women making more money than men. Say amen when you can. And if you can, and if we can, have men would listen to their girlfriends and wives, they'll be getting themselves in less trouble. When it comes to the Church of Christ, women are not authorized to preach. Say amen. The Bible teaches us in First Corinthians 13, 14, 34, and 35, let your women keep silence in the churches, for they are not permitted unto them to speak, but they are under commandment to be under obedience, as also saith the Lord. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. The Bible also says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11 and 12, let the woman learn in, in silence with all subjection. For I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to assert authority over the man, but to be in silence. Bring something up to you that it feels important. That when you have a situation when the women rise up in a church, when you find sorry men, I know I'm right. I share these scriptures because you got some, a few churches of Christ got women preachers. Why? Because you got some sorry men that's supposed to be running the church the right way. Say amen if you can. And I shared these scriptures recently with a so-called deaconess here at work. And she tried to tell me that the day on the day of, of Pentecost, women were authorized to preach by receiving the baptismal measure that the man did as they were able to preach. Now, let's look at the Bible and see who was supposed to be at Pentecost. And thanks to my good brother and preaching fellow brother, fellow preaching brother, Brother Samuel Pounds of Winter Haven, Florida, down to you, let you know that there was only three times that the Jewish men were supposed to get together. You'll find this, and you can read this on your own, Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 to 17, that there was only three times when the Jews got together. Pentecost, Passover, and Feast of the Tabernacles. Those are the only times that the women, or the, excuse me, the Jewish men got together. But she's saying that on Pentecost, women were preaching. Well, turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 2 and verse number 5. Let's go through this and see if women were preaching. Acts 2 and verse 5 says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, well, they're not there. Let's go to verse Acts two, verse six. Now, when they when this noise this noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because of every man. Hello, man is there? I don't see no woman. Drop on down to verse number eight. And now hear me, every man, man is there. That's Peter talking to him. So they're not there. Let's go on to verse thirteen. Verse thirteen, the Bible says. Others mocking said, these men, hello, that's all, these men are full of new wine. I don't see no woman there. I just see men. Drop on down to verse 14. 
But Peter, standing up with the eleven, looked up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known, that I hearken my words. For there is not, they are, verse 15, for these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it's, it's nothing but the third hour of the day. Peter was telling them even the liquor store wasn't even open at time of morning. Hello, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and the liquor store was not even open. Let's go on down to verse number 22. They got to be here somewhere. Verse 22 says, ye men of Israel. Can't find her there. Go on down to verse number 29. About verse 29 says, men and brethren. I say again, men and brethren. So she's not there. Drop on down to verse number 37. This is our last shot in the dark. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren. Now, you can't find them anywhere in the holy word of God. So we know that women were not there at Pentecost and are not authorized by God to preach. Say amen if you can. My last point, investigate before you invest regarding joining any church that is not in the Bible. You know there's over 300 denominations in the United States all by itself, and there are over 3,000 worldwide. Now, denominationalism means division. And if you have division, then you don't think and you don't speak the same thing. If we're all serving the same God, then why not denominationalism? You have churches taking the Lord's Supper daily, monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, annually, and netherly. If, you, if we are all serving the same God, then why in denominationism do you have churches baptizing with immersion, sprinkling, and pouring? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, and I'll meet you there in just a second, and go down to verse number 4. Romans 6 and verse number 4. The Bible says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Also, turn your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 3. I'm talking about Colossians chapter 2, excuse me, and verse number 12, and meet me there. Colossians chapter 2. And verse number 12, the Bible says, Buried with him in baptism, where you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. If we are serving the same God, then why in denominationism you have churches worshiping on Saturday and Sunday? Hello? And then you got some of these churches being named after rocks and mountains valleys and streams and all other types of locations. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that ye all speak the same thing. And there be no divisions among you, but they be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Hello? In denominations, you have preachers not speaking from the Bible, but they are using very little of the Bible and filling in their sermons with opinions and personal views. And there is no preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, verse 15, I'll be, and, be, and meet me there. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. You may ask, why am I doing this? I'm just showing this to prove what the Bible says, verses 1 to 4. The Bible says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This is Paul talking which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, but which is but, but by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believe in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, if you ever want to know what the definition of the gospel is, you mark your Bibles in yellow for 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. It talks about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's what the gospel is. That's the good news. Some people say in religion, it doesn't matter what the name of the church is as long as you are worshiping God. Besides, we have a Bible in our church, but that's not the issue. The issue is, is your church in the Bible? Hello, is it in the Bible? We see it in Matthew 16 and 18. It said, upon this rock I will build my church. My church, a singular noun backing up a singular pronoun. My church, Romans 16 and 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Some will say, wait a minute, preacher. You were doing good all the way through, brother. You said there's only one church. Then why is the church of God in Christ in the Bible? Hello? You say that there's only one church. Then why is it mentioned about the church of God in the Bible? Well, let's go over to to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. That name don't scare me because it's talking about the gospel church, the church of Christ. The Bible says in Acts 20 and 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Now we know there's three in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, which God is he talking about? Well, we know it's not God the Father, because God is a spirit. Say amen when you can. We know it's not the Holy Spirit. He said he shed his what? His own blood. And the only God that shed his own blood was God the Son, Jesus Christ. So we see here, he's talking about the church of Christ. And basically, 
the church not only was called the church of God, it was also called the, the, the church of the church of God, kingdom of God's dear son, household of faith. All these phrases refer to the church of Christ. Turn your Bibles over to First Peter chapter verses twenty and twenty one. First Peter chapter three, twenty and twenty one. Because I see the street lights coming on and I gotta cut my lesson short. First Peter three, twenty and twenty one. The Bible says, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was in preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Eight souls were saved by water. The light figure, verse 21, the light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not putting away, putting away the filth of the flesh. That means it's not, you're not there to take a bath. But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And if you want to be saved, you need to get into the one church, and that church is the church of Christ. You cannot pray your way into it. You cannot get down and give your Christian experience. You can and get out there and say the sinner's prayer. That's just all man-made. And let me t- drop this other bomb while I'm flying over. You can't even pray for pardon. But the Bible instructs us and tells us what we need to do to be baptized. But you may ask the question, what are some examples of baptism? Well, you had Pentecost, Acts 22, 2.22, and verse 2 through uh, 36 to 47. You had the Samaritans, Acts 8, 8, 4, 8, 8 and 4. The Ethiopian eunuch, we just read that, Acts 8, 26 to 29. You talk about the, the, the baptism of Saul, who became Paul, Acts 9, 10, 1 to 20. Cornelius in his household, Acts 10, verses 1 to 48. Lydia and her household, Acts 16, 13 and 15. The Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16, 23 to 34. The Corinthian in 8. And let me just drop this bomb while I'm flying over. You can only get into the Church of Christ. Because the Bible tells us that only eight souls got into the church. Now, the church of Christ is like that ark, as we read in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. When once a long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The light figure, talking about Noah's ark, whereunto baptism does also now save us. Now, you may ask the question. Preacher, what must I do to be saved? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. You've got to hear the gospel, Romans 10, 17, which the Bible teaches us that we must also, we also have to believe the gospel, John 8, 24. He said, except you believe I am he, you all, you will die in your sins. If you, say, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. You've got to repent of your sins, 3 and 5. The Bible says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Then you must confess with your words the sweetest words that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Acts 8, 36 and 37. And then you must go down into the liquid tomb of baptism for the remission of your sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. And when you come out of the water of drip, the dripping waters of baptism, baptism washes away your sins. Acts 22, verse 16. You become a new creature. John 3 and verse 5. You become a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, and have mercy, you are added to the church of Christ, 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And if you are pricked right now in your heart, like they were in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago, and you want to find the Church of Christ in your area where you live, I recommend you get on the telephone and you call Brother Butler. He's got his, you got his number. He'll give it again, I'm sure. And he will ask, where do you live? And he's not only going to ask where you live, he's going to contact a gospel preacher in that area who is going to take you to the water. Will you be saved of, your, of all your past sins? And the Bible teaches us once you come out of the dripping waters of baptism, you need to live the right life. Just don't get baptized and go right on back out to the, to the um, bars and the liquor stores and everything. You've got to live a godly life because one day you're going to stand before God and be judged what you've done or not done in the body. I urge you, get, make, give God a chance. You tried everything else. You tried liquor, haven't gotten you nowhere. You tried drugs, haven't gotten you nowhere. You tried women, you tried men, and it hasn't gotten you nowhere. It's time to give your life to Christ. I'm sorry for being so long this evening, my brothers and sisters, but I want to get this lesson out in the full content of God's word. I pray what has been said tonight will encourage those who are members of the church to keep on the gospel light. Keep on being on the highway. Stay a soldier in the church of Christ. And to those who are listening who are not members of the church, pray to God that you will give your life over to God. May God bless you. And may God keep you. And thank you for listening. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. God is able. God is able. God is able to do what he said he would do. God is able. God is able. Yes, he is. God is able. God is able. God is able. Do what he said he'd do. Think about Daniel in the lion's den. It didn't look too good, but Daniel put his trust in him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the flames grew hot, they just put their trust in God. And he would not let them go. God showed his faithfulness. So if you think you're in a trial by fire, when the flames go hot, you just put your trust in God, and he'll never let you go. When trials come your way, he can give you peace. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Steve Cordo. Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the program again, and welcome to our audience listening on the Blog Talk radio platform or on whatever platform you happen to be on. Thank you for taking the time to uh, tune in and to uh, listen to uh, these lessons out of God's Word, and thank you for having the interest, and we pray these will be a blessing to you and will help you to have a better understanding of the Scriptures. Now, this lesson that I'm presenting this evening is uh, from a series, in fact, it's the last of a series that I do called All Roads Lead to Heaven and Other Popular Fiction. And we looked at the thief on the cross in a previous lesson and how the thief on the cross does not prove that baptism is non-essential to salvation. The thief on the cross is really irrelevant to our salvation today. And then we also looked at the sinner's prayer in one lesson. What is the sinner's prayer? Well, a lot of denominations uh, teach the sinner's prayer as a way of salvation. The problem is it's not found in the Bible. And the lessons in this series are ones that look scriptural, they sound good, but when you get past them and really see what the Bible says, you can see that they are wrong. You cannot pray a prayer and receive Jesus into your heart uh, for salvation. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To those that received him, he gave the power to become children of God, or the right to become the children of God, or the ability to become the children of God. So if you say, well, yeah, I received Jesus, great. You now have the ability or the right, the power, to become a child of God. Just like being an American citizen gives you the right to vote, but it does not mean you vote. A lot of people I know have never cast a ballot, never will. Others I know are political junkies. They cast a ballot in every uh, election, whether it be for a school board or dog catcher or president of the United States or whatever the election is. So it does not make you a voter just because you have the right to vote, and it does not make you a Christian just because you have the right or the ability or the power to become one. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a couple of years back, I saw a uh, Facebook exchange uh, between folks, you know, where all those debates where we're convincing each other that uh, that we're wrong. Yeah, right. 
But this person commenting on a post said that there are 7 billion people on this planet and 7 billion paths. There is no one path that is better or more righteous than the others. Our heart guides the path right for each of us if we quietly listen and don't allow religion to get in the way. Here's the problem. That statement is false. There are not 7 billion ways to get to, to God. There is really only one. Now, our society values diversity and recites the mantra of religious tolerance. But Jesus made it clear that the only way to heaven is through him. His teaching, uh, by its very nature, was and is very exclusive. And uh, and a lot of it does have to do with uh, helping Christians know how to live and how to uh, minister to others. Now, back in 2018, uh, Thanksgiving time, there was a gathering of Christians, Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists in Las Vegas, where they um, got together to have a, uh, a meal, a Thanksgiving meal together. Now, there is nothing wrong with uh, getting together to have a meal with anybody. But they were making this a very ecumenical, that we're all on our uh, own paths, our own way to get to heaven. And then I found something called the Church of Buddhist Christian Transcendentalism. That, I think, is the working title. It's just a lot of work to say it. But their mission statement says, the Church of Buddhist Christian Transcendentalism is a non-theistic perennial religion which seeks transcendence over our human-animal nature by the expansion of consciousness in the search for inner peace. We believe that the only way to better society is not through, quote, faith, close quote, in a personal God that reflects fears and desires of the worshiper, but rather by the uh, exploration and expansion of consciousness one individual at a time. Now, they say they're a non-theistic religion. Now, what does non-theistic mean? Well, it means no God. So my take on that is that they're basically... Atheists, and they say that they want a better that the the only way to a better society is not through faith in a personal God. So basically, they're putting man and man human consciousness uh, in the place of God. Now, uh, one of the things we have to understand is that when people say Christians are narrow, we're bigoted. Why? Well, because you say that Jesus is the only way and that there's only one way to heaven, but there's got to be more than one way to heaven. You're missing the point. Remember, we serve a supremely holy God. One uh, uh, YouTuber I listen to says that he's a thrice holy God, going back to Isaiah chapter 6 and holy, holy, holy. Uh, Here's the thing. When people start to insist that there's got to be more than one way than Jesus, you're missing the point in that we should be thankful to God that he even provided one way to get to him. Because because of his holiness and our sinfulness, he didn't have to. He's under no obligation to save us. But God provided a way. And rather than argue with God and say, well, no, God didn't, or Jesus didn't say he was the only way, why don't we just accept it? Why don't we just accept what the Lord uh, has given us? Now, I used to live in Alaska. I grew up there. I spent uh, over 20 years there. And when you come out of Anchorage and head down uh, towards the Kenai Peninsula, which is where, well, Kenai is. It's where Seward is. It's where Homer is. Homer, the home of Tom Bodette, who used to be the spokesman for uh, Motel 6, and the singer Jewel is from Homer, too. But here's the thing. If you're going to go by road, there's only one way to get there, the Seward Highway. That's it. 
And in most places, it's just a two-lane road and very narrow because they had to blast through some rock to put it in. That's it. That is the only way if you're going to drive to get there. Now, if you want to get to heaven, there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus. And if all roads do lead to heaven, if there are seven billion different ways to get there, then you have to believe Jesus got it wrong. Which is it? Is it going to be diversity and inclusion is correct and every religion is correct? Or was Jesus right when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one, emphasize no one, comes to the Father except through me. Now let's consider this. Let's look at the idea of pluralism versus the claims of Christ. Pluralism is the view that all religions are equally valid paths to God. Now, some uh, might think might uh, not think that the question is all that difficult to answer. You know, we uh, pluralism. You know, we live in America. We value diversity. We value freedom. We value religious freedom. That you are free legally to go to whatever church you want to go to or no church. I mean, legally, you've got that right. But pluralism is the view that all religions offer equally valid paths to God. Now, from a biblical standpoint. That is not a true statement. You cannot get to God just any way you want. The Encyclopedia of American Religion lists 1,800 different groups, with 44% of them non-Christian. That's in the United States. And half of these have blossomed since the 1960s. John chapter 10, verse 31, then and now, Jesus was such a divisive and controversial figure that, remember, he was rejected by many. And some rejected him to the point of wanting to kill him, the Pharisees, the scribes, and uh, those people. Some were especially enraged at Jesus because he openly affirmed his relationship with the Father. And remember, when they tried to capture him and kill him, uh, Jesus would elude their grasp up until the, uh, the uh, crucifixion. The Jews, John chapter 10, verse 31, is one of the, uh, the uh, scriptures, one of the instances I'm talking about. When the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. See, John chapter 14, you have to notice some things. The verse begins with the pronoun I, first person singular. See, because we're not saved by some force or some principle, we're saved by a person. See, in the original language, the words way, truth, and life all have the definite article in front of them. So the verse would read, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That eliminates pretty much every other path. See, all, see and all three of these concepts are active and dynamic. The way brings us to God. The truth sets us free. The life produces relationship. The way in many uh, Jewish texts refers to the righteous way, the way we behave. But it could also echo back to Isaiah's uh, New Jerusalem that he, that he talked about back then. That's kind of another study for another time. Truth came to be a, a Jewish title for God. Now, it's uncertain if it was in use this early when Jesus was on the earth, but the primary significance of the statement is that Jesus is the embodiment of truth. And Jesus Christ lived perfectly, therefore he possesses life perfectly. He is the life. 
the very embodiment, energy, force, uh, and source of life itself. So he is the only way. Pluralism cannot be, be true if Jesus got it right. We have to find the one way, and that is through Jesus. Secondly, let's look at the fact that Jesus said there is salvation in no one else. Uh, or actually, Peter said that in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. No other name by which we must be saved. He's uh, referring to Jesus. That means we must, uh, first of all, number one, we need to be saved. The Greek text is very specific. It does not say that we can be saved, for that would indicate that man has an inherent ability to achieve salvation. If we uh, think we can, uh, the and the uh, the dec- this is a universal declaration. In other words, it shows that every human being who is saved will be saved in the name of Jesus or by the authority of Jesus. You know, it's just like if I write you a check for a hundred dollars, let's say, and you go down to the bank by my authority, they will uh, give you the hundred dollars out of my account. Well, Jesus is the authority by which we are saved. And if any who do not know him or, or believe in Jesus, uh, uh, they're not going to be saved. Now, if you are, uh, you take a children who, uh, who are not at a point where they can understand uh, Jesus or someone who doesn't have the, intel- the, the, the intelligence, the mental capacity to be able to understand, they're safe. We're talking here people who can think, who can reason, uh, who have the ability to uh, uh, search this out. And when we look back at this, uh, there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That word must, that's a, a, a necessity. If you must do something, it means you don't have a choice. And it also signifies that man is under obligation to respond. You're either going to respond to uh, become a Christian or you're going to respond to say no. I mean, that's up to you. It is totally your call to make. God will not force himself If you don't want to go to heaven, he's not going to force you to. And there's no doubt that this principle was proclaimed in the early days of Christianity. From the beginning, they preached Jesus as the way of salvation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, Paul says that there is one mediator between God and humans who gave himself a ransom for all. And it's almost as if Paul is anticipating a question, which makes him write the statement about there being only one uh, one Savior, uh, God, but also not only that, but one mediator between God and between man. First John chapter 5, verse 12, He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. See, we don't have life in, in ourselves. We receive life from God, but God does not re- uh, receive life from any source, uh, any exterior source. God is the source of it all. He is outside of space and time. And John, again, stressing the importance of believing in Jesus, believing in Jesus as the Son of God, uh, as the Messiah, as the Anointed One. And, and these passages in 1 Timothy 2 and in 1 John 5 are extremely exclusive, if you know. They're just like first, or John chapter 14, verse, verse 6. They are overwhelmingly clear that Jesus is the only way. He's the only mediator. Another way you can look at it, uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court, not any lawyer can walk in and argue a case before the U.S. Supreme Court. You must be a member of a special bar uh, in order to argue a case. Well, you think of it that way, that when we show up in God's court of eternal justice, 
not just any lawyer can walk in there and argue a case. There's only one lawyer admitted to this uh, court to practice, and that's Jesus. And if he's not your lawyer, then he's going to be your prosecutor. It's going to be up to you, uh, and you've got to make the decision in this life. Now, various other religions offer uh, belief systems that are uh, good works-based. And when it comes to salvation, you've got to remember, we are beggars. We are all ragged. But the God of the universe offers what we need for our uh, hungry souls. That is grace. That is mercy. We cannot work our way to heaven. It's just impossible. The good works we do are what we do to show people we are Christians because we're Christians, not to become Christians. Now, let's look at some questions here to ponder about this whole thing. Because Jesus doesn't mince any words. No one can come to the Father except they go through him. So in light of his exclusive claims, you and I may be asked some questions by people, by, by pluralistic uh, people who believe that any way we want to choose is good. For instance, you may be asked something like, well, what about sincerity? I mean, I'm a sincere person. I know you're sincere. Sincerity should be good enough. And I have uh, been at funerals where grandma or grandma or whoever it was that passed away it w was really sincere, as if sincerity is what is the criteria for people to be saved. There are millions of sincere religious worshipers in all religions in all countries of the world. But is that going to be enough? The assumption is that because people are sincere, they can't be wrong. Because I, I really truly believe this, because I really truly did good works, you know, I must be sincere, I must be right. Well, sincerity, or the lack of it, has nothing to do with determining truth. So in other words, we can be as sincere as we want to be, but we can be sincerely wrong. Sincere belief does not make your belief true. We can believe sincerely that something is true, but have no power to necessarily make it true. I can believe right now that I'm sitting on a beach in the Bahamas. I can believe it sincerely. But guess what? I'm in the Midwest. I'm going to be shoveling snow here in a couple of months. That's the reality of it. No amount of belief and sincere belief is going to change that. Now, if Jesus is the only way, then some might say, well, that's true for you, but not for me. No, it doesn't work that way. Something that is true is true for everybody. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. Now, you may have a different opinion, a different experience on something, but when it comes to truth, what's true for me is going to be true for you. And then there's the whole question of tolerance. You know, I'm sincere. Oh, and by the way, I want to be tolerant of all beliefs. And at the heart of our, our national uh, sense of unity stands this idea of toleration. We, have been, we are a nation, someone once said, we don't fight religious wars. We are a nation that is tolerant, uh, typically, of other religions. They're allowed legally to practice. So the question would go something like this. Even if you believe Christianity is true for you, does that mean it has to be true for the rest of the world? I mean, isn't that condescending and unloving? Well, Jesus, remember, made exclusive claims. That's unmistakable. No way you can miss that. And it forces an unconditional response. Jesus invites people to accept or reject him, making it clear that partial acceptance is really rejection. 
Now, some would say that a single way is entirely too restrictive. We, I mentioned this earlier, that the attitude fails to see. If, if you think that having one way is just too restrictive, you're not seeing the desperate state of the human condition. You're not seeing that we are so separated from God with a great gulf between us that there's no way that we humanly uh, humans can humanly possible bridge that gap. And, you're, and that there is a way at all is evidence of God's grace and God's uh, God's love to us. So you know, it's not bigoted to preach what Jesus preached. That's exactly what he said. He is the way, the truth, and life. It's not narrow. It's not bigoted. And we got to remember that sincerity is good, but sincerity it doesn't determine biblical truth. And then we come to the question of truth itself. If Christianity is true, then the issues of sincerity and tolerance take a back seat to truth. It doesn't matter how sincere someone is if they don't acknowledge the truth of what Christ teaches. Tolerance is a non-issue if Christianity is the true faith, the true path, the true religion, the uh, true path to God. If Christianity is true, then the issues of sincerity and tolerance uh, just uh, go out the window. They, they are irrelevant. And it doesn't matter how sincere someone is if they don't acknowledge that truth of Jesus. But the problem with this approach is that there are many clear contradictions between various religious beliefs. What do I mean by that? Well, you've got different denominations out there that'll say, hey, we'll sprinkle for baptism, but then they'll say, no, it's got to be immersion. Hey, uh, we believe uh, that it is, uh, it is okay to have women preachers. Well, no, we don't. See, different churches, different religious groups. But you've got to understand, too, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it's gonna, he is the way, the truth, and the life, whether we believe it or not whether we want to accept it or not. And we have to look at, is the truth, or rather, are his claims backed by evidence? Are there reasons to believe what Jesus said? If so, then we must allow for a certain amount of intolerance, because truth is always intolerant of error. So if Jesus claims to be the only way to God, and someone such as Muhammad says there's another way to God, or Buddha, or Joseph Smith, or the Pope, or pick your religious leader, Here's the thing, either Christ is right and Muhammad was wrong, or uh, Christ is right and the Pope is wrong, or Joseph Smith or whoever, or Muhammad is right and Christ is wrong, or Joseph Smith is right and Christ is wrong, or they're both wrong. They're all wrong. They can't all be right, but they can all be wrong. Now, since Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Christians, uh, they all view Jesus differently. They all acknowledge his existence, but they view him differently. So they cannot logically be correct. The Muslim and the Christian cannot both be correct that Jesus, the Muslim just Jesus was a prophet. Uh, that's it. He wasn't the son of God. But the Christian says, well, he is the son of God. And I'm not real sure what Buddhism uh, says about Jesus. I know they don't accept him as the Messiah and the only way to God. And Jews, of course, uh, reject Jesus for various reasons. So who's right? Is Jesus right? Or are these other groups right? If Christianity is true, then those religions that contradict it cannot be true. And there's no such thing as true for you, but not true for me. Jesus is either the Messiah or he's not. So that's the question I'm going to leave you with. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the Savior of mankind? If he is, then why have you not obeyed what he said to do? Why have you not, by faith, uh, come to him and been immersed, been baptized to have your sins forgiven. 
Just like uh, Paul was asked by Ananias, why do you wait? Arise and be baptized and calling on his name and wash away your sins. You can do it any time. You don't have to wait for Sunday. You don't have to do it on a Wednesday night. In fact, when I first started preaching, I did more baptisms on Monday nights than any other day of the week. Anytime you're ready, that's the right time to do it. And contact uh, uh, Stevie or contact me or any of the speakers on the program, and we'll be glad to help you figure out what you need to do, and we'll help you find someone uh, who can help you get into Christ, be baptized into Christ scripturally so that you can know that you have found the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for having me this evening, Stevie. That's my lesson for this evening. And uh, thank you for tuning in to the listening audience, and we will see you on the next broadcast. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When I see the
place tonight. Need to have Jesus as your guide. Just give Him your heart, your soul, and your mind, and He will give you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stevie B Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. On the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. This show is called What a Word of the Lord Radio Show. And the second Tuesday of the month, that show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making that proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also during that show, we have a community corner segment that's designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have Protestant services for our community. I also have two co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert. He serves as the evangelist for the Oakwood Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he served with the Cary Church of Christ in Cary, North Carolina. And then on the third Tuesday of the month, that show airs 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Dr. Antherica Lane, she's a board-certified optometrist and gynecologist. She serves with the Gray Road Church of Christ in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And then on the fourth Tuesday of the month, that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, I host the Gospel Light Radio Show. And this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have eight co-hosts on that show, Yusuf uh, Al, uh, Al Ford from Indianapolis, Indiana, and also uh, Stanley Hubbard from Indianapolis, Indiana as well, and Clay Phillips from Thomasville, Georgia, Dr. Frank Washington from Plantation, Florida, Steve Porter from Danville, Illinois, and Robert Lee Johnson from Lake City, Florida, Limit Million from Richardson, Texas, and Brian Christian Coleman from Morristown, New Jersey. And on this show, we have they'll be presenting lessons from the Word of God. And also, each week, I have two co-hosts on the air with me. 
And then I have my portion of the broadcast called my shouted out questions. I'll be taking from my social media platform on Facebook. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. Then on Friday night, I'm hosting Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And this show, the 2022 recipient from the Macama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. On this on this broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices, and we're also interviewing artists, producers, writers, etc. And every third Friday of the month, I'm doing my top 20 countdown show. We also have on-demand episodes where we're getting your favorite podcasts from, Webby, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, just to name a few. And just search for Stevie B Media Production. We also have recorded version shows as well that are air on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Stevie B's recorded version shows. We also want to thank our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. And the three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate. We want to edify. We want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life. I just want to say what you really mean to me. You're my everything, my joy and peace. You're the reason why I sing. Lord, I don't deserve anything you give me, so I just gotta say thank you. Oh, what's nice with your love and grace, so I just gotta tell you this. Mm-hmm. I will always love you. I will never let you go. I will always keep you love because I love you. So I shall worship you for all of my days You found me to re-engage me the strength So I can win this race Lord, I'm giving you all the honor and all the glory You shall forever run here All of these blessings you give me Is the reason why I say
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's Word. I want to thank both my co-hosts, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordell, for both giving a fine lesson on this broadcast. I certainly appreciate their efforts. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't take any of this for granted, and I have a great team that I'm working with here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. We, those, these brothers love to preach the Word of God, and that's why they are on this broadcast, because we believe that what they're preaching can be found and is backed up by the scriptures. And that's the only thing we're concerned with is just simply telling you the truth of God's word. Amen. I appreciate everyone who participates on this show on a weekly basis. What a blessing. It's my prayer that these lessons this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio broadcast, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real Real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Live radio show. On behalf of my co-host, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show. I went to a funeral of a friend of mine. My old friends were standing around with tears in their eyes. And I thought, what could I say to take away some of their pain? I stepped out of that funeral home. I wrote this refrain. It goes, a whole lot of life gone by. You need to give Jesus a try You'll find yourself walking in the light Everything gonna be alright Don't you know that the devil gonna tell you that lie That you can live any way that you like And since we know we gonna die You need to give Jesus a try Tell me Everything's gonna be 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.